Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Good evening. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Jordan Canellas with you on a Monday night, filling in for Sam Hargraves yet again on SEN. Hope you get better, Sam. Uh, 0433981116 if you'd like to get involved off the text machine. one 736 to give us a call. Thanks to Harcourts, your move, your Harcourts. This is the Macca's Run for McDonald's, try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today. So we have one more week to go in the footy season. Round 23 coming up this weekend. And what a big weekend it'll be. The Brisbane Lions and the Demons and then the Sunday triple header, which will decide the top eight, among all the other games as well. They're still jostling for position elsewhere on the ladder, but it should be a big weekend of football. But round 22, the one just gone, was uh, was a great weekend of football. Overshadowed today by the news around Essendon with Paul Brasher, the president, stepping down. The uh, scuttlebutt and the rumours around Ben Rutten and what's happening there. There's no confirmed word yet on the uh, the future of Ben Rutten, but we can uh, we can talk about the speculation, I suppose. Uh, but what we'll do here on the Macca's Run is uh, we will chat and address the Ben Rutten uh, stories of the day. But let's go back and relive what happened on the weekend because it was a weekend worth talking about with plenty of great conversation points as well uh, from all the games including yesterday's middle game the 320 game Collingwood and Sydney Collingwood's 11 game winning streak came to an end against a commanding Swans team really at the SCG they extended their own winning streak at the Swans to six games in that span of six games you look at who they've beaten they've taken some pretty big scalps of the Pies Fremantle and also the Dogs who have been pushing for the eight and they had domineering victories over the lowly teams such as Adelaide, the Giants, and North Melbourne. Games in, in which they never looked really uh, to, to be threatened to lose. They've done, Sydney, what any premiership contender should do. They've clipped up the good teams, and they've beaten down on the bad teams. They've got a potent forward line led by Lance Franklin, who's scored 48 goals in 19 games this season at an average of 2.5 goals a game. And that feels normal, but shouldn't be for a man who's 35 years old and didn't play at all in 2020 because of injuries. He's going to hit 50 goals in each of the two seasons since 2020, which is remarkable. Uh, His three goals yesterday, Lance Franklin, elevated him above Tony Lockett and into fifth among the greatest goal scorers in Sydney, South Melbourne history. But aside from that, you've got Heaney, Hayward and Papley, who have all scored 25 goals or more each this season. Swans midfield ranks as one of the best in the league. They're in the top third for contested possessions, uncontested possessions, metres gained and inside 50 average differentials across all four of those stats. And even on a smaller paddock like the SCG, they were finding space to run into, exploit and break the Collingwood lines, even when the game was tiring. But it was their back line for me which stood out yesterday and this season. Not only talking about the Dane Rampey tackle on the goal line in the last quarter, that was simply the cherry on top, but it was his continual efforts. It was Robbie Fox closing uh, down on his opponents and, and close marking opposition players in attacking zones. It was the McCartan brothers marshalling the airwaves and taking it in turns to assert their physical presence. And the midfielders who fold back to add an extra layer in defence and then spring forward as Callum Mills and Ollie Florent do, among others. That's that's Sydney in a nutshell, all three parts of the ground. Collingwood only average 84 points per game this season. So not a huge total. 
but Sydney still kept them to nearly six goals below that average yesterday, conceding just 15 scoring shots. Collingwood had merely four more shots in total than the Swans had in just their behinds column, let alone their goal tally. I'm not framing yesterday's game as some sort of revelation for the Swans because it's been pretty obvious. It's not as if we didn't see it coming from Sydney. They've been pressing hard for the top four all season and top two now. But yesterday's game, if it does anything, secured the Swans' status as being in the top two as far as form and ability goes, let alone what the latter says, which they are in second. Yesterday's crowd of 44,659 at the SCG was the biggest at that venue since 2017's elimination final against the Bombers and the second biggest SCG home and away game ever. That Sydney crowd know how good that team is. Hearing that stadium bumping yesterday, it was apparent to me just how frenzied these fans are to see this team do well. They are fully on board. The one question people might have over the Swans is can they do it at the MCG? Well, they're 1-1 one one there this season. They beat Melbourne in round 12. They lost to Essendon in round uh, 16. But their record there over the last five years is favourable. They're 6-3 and three since the start of 2018. So that shouldn't, you'd think, be an issue. 0433981116 if you'd like to send in a text. Or you can give us a call on 1300-736-736. The, uh, the, the question I want to ask you, giving you two options, this or that. or It's normally this or that, but I'm framing it as this and that uh, for tonight. Is it clear to you, as it is to me, that Sydney and Geelong are the two standout favourites now? And if not, who are your two? Because we've had Melbourne in the top two for most of the season. But do Melbourne still warrant a place in that top two uh, favoritism for you? If you were to pick your grand final right now, we've got we've got a week to go in the home and away season. We we start finals in uh, in a couple of weeks from now after the bye, where where you can it's pretty safe grounds to make a prediction as to who you think would be in the grand final or who the top two teams are. Is the latter correct? Is it Geelong and Sydney? Is is Melbourne still up there for you? Who would it be? The great teams of this era: Geelong, Sydney. Hawthorne and Richmond in this modern era, those have been the four, but Geelong and Sydney clearly have been the two longest standing teams of this generation with an open premiership window from from that group still open at the moment. Hawthorne's window shut a few years ago and Richmond's premiership window is is still ajar now, uh, but they only entered the fray as one of the great teams of this generation in the last five years, haven't been around as long as the Cats and the Swans have Geelong, this will be their 15th finals campaign in 16 years, and it'll be Sydney's 17th in the last 20 years, which is ridiculous. Uh, These are the two most dominant teams of this century so far, and I, for one, would love to see them play off in a grand final. They've only played in three finals games in the last 20 years, remarkably. The 2005 semi-final, the Nick Davis game, uh, the 2016 preliminary final, and the 2017 semi-final. So they've crossed paths in finals a lot less than you'd think Sydney and Geelong. That's the, the that's my main takeaway from the weekend. There's plenty of other things which we'll chat about as well, and I'm happy to um, happy to get into a few other bits and pieces. I want to chat about the Blues, Richmond, a bit of Melbourne, the top eight battle as well. But a few of your calls on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and we start off with Paul from Camberwell. Evening to you, Paul. How's things? Oh, good evening. How are you? I'm well. You want to chat about the fifteen meter kick rule? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't see. Uh, I don't get it because it can go, you know, barely half fifteen meters or ten meters, and they pay it no worries. And it's just a bit ridiculous, really, because it sticks out really clear, clear as uh, 
day and that it's nowhere near travel 15 metres, but they they pay it and it might cost someone one day. I'm not suggesting they take tape measures out like the old report book. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they carry a report book in their back pocket these days anymore, but no, no measure tapes, but it, it, it's pretty silly because it's so inconsistent. You can see it every game. That I, I think the uh, that rule was pretty well adjudicated this weekend and last weekend. I thought they they, they clamped down on it a bit better. I, I noticed more of those free kicks, or sorry, not free kicks, more of those non marks um, being adjudicated by the umpires for for kicks that travelled less than fifteen. Did you see it that way, Paul? Oh, look. To be honest, I saw a fair bit of inconsistency as well. Mm-hmm. It, look, I I understand it's difficult, um, but. Look, I, I did see a lot of inconsistency throughout some games over the weekend. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your call. Take care, Paul from Camberwell. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. It is. It is um, actually topical that Paul brings that up because that was. I, I felt like I saw umpires calling play on more so this weekend, and that's probably and maybe last weekend as well. The last two weeks, but that stood out more than the the rest of the season combined was was uh, marks not being paid because the ball didn't travel the 15 metres. I thought the umpires actually adjudicated that pretty well this weekend. Um, but it isn't, it's not consistent, as, as Paul pointed out. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What do you do about it, though? Like, there's not really... It's, it's all just by eye. You can't, as Paul said, you can't pull out the measuring tape on every kick. So what do you do? Maybe there's something in it in the future in, uh, in, in sports technology. They have... You know, the way they set up Hawkeye now with, uh, let's use tennis as an example, and this would be an extremely expensive practice, but anyway, let's fantasize for a bit. Tennis, the way they do Hawkeye is they have cameras set up all around the the roof of the stadium pointing down, Uh, various cameras that are just, you know, regular vision cameras. I think they have infrared cameras and all these, you know, special types of cameras that capture the movement. Um, If they're able to do that with the ball and capture the movement of the ball, uh, and it, it feeds back pretty real-time, uh, uh, you know, data. So the Hawkeye system is pretty instant. Uh, it can glitch from time to time, which I'm sure if that was, you know, in this fantasy world that we're living, if it was to glitch, I'm sure fans would get up and, and be irate about it. But it does feed back pretty real-time data. So maybe down the track in the in the future, near future, far future, you could probably have that set up where you can measure the ball Um uh, and the distance the ball travels with every moment, and the captures uh, the the images being captured by the cameras instantly, could uh, could feed you back that information. That that might be something. Again, it's it'd be a very expensive uh, uh, exercise to set up at every stadium around uh, around Australia that the AFL use. But it is it is a possibility. The technology exists, um, and uh, and could help with other things as well. Not just the fifteen meter kick rule, but it could help with the goal line uh, technology as well. So if a ball went over the goal line or whether it was touched or if it cleared the, the goals or whatever to, to adjudicate on the um, on the goal review system, that could be a method to, to use it on as well. So it's a bit of uh, it's a bit of food for thought in that one for the uh, one for the tech heads out there. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh one off the text, how did Sydney lose to Essendon? That is a good question. So I was in my uh, in my just brief sort of rummaging through the stats before the show started, l- looking at that match, the Essendon game, um, that was I was on that game. Uh, that was a 
that was the start of Essendon. That was the start of the the new but briefly lived Essendon for uh, what was it about a six week period? They have four wins in about six weeks there uh, before their last two losses now, and and then last weekend's loss to Port Adelaide yesterday. Um, that was I think that was probably more Essendon just coming out of the blocks and maybe overwhelming uh, Sydney in uh, in that match. But that was that, look every team. There's anomalies that exist all through the season. You can pick losses that Geelong have had. You can pick losses that Melbourne have had, wins that some teams have had. I think that's just one of those ones that, that might be an anomaly or an outlier. Um, but, yeah, that's um, a, a point well made and one that sort of does just linger in the mind when you go, well, you know, Sydney will have to come back at some stage, you'd think, um, to play in the uh, at the MCG. Well, you know, if they finish top two, they won't until the, the final week of the season. But... If they make the grand final, they'll have to play there. So how much will that play on their mind? Probably not heaps, to be honest. But um, it is there as just a uh, as a little uh, omen from a couple of weeks ago. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. A couple of more points of curiosity. I'll get to on the other side of the break. Some of your text messages. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Jordan Canellas here with you on the Macca's run. Try the quarter pounder bacon at Macca's today. Coming back with more thoughts after this. And Matt Rendell will be with us later on as he always does on a Monday night, to analyse the round of footy. All that and more on the way. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Jordan Canellis with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves this evening on SEN. You can send us a text, one three hundred oh no, 1300 is the talkback number, thanks to Harcourt's. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. So we've done a bit of the weekend's action, the bit that caught my eye the most, which was Sydney and Collingwood yesterday. And as I said, I'll keep my promise, we will revisit the other bits from the weekend uh, later on in the show. Matt Rendell will be with us uh, in about uh, 15 or so minutes, roughly. So we'll cover off the rest of the round with him. But from the story of today, so Ben Rutten and Essendon. So Paul Brasher, we know, is stepping down as the president, although it looks like he's going to stay on the board. Uh, Dave Barham is taking over as the uh, the president at Essendon, the uh, TV uh, executive. My take on all of this so on the on the 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 president bit is is more cut and dry because that's um, that's more written in. But the speculation is around the coach. So my take on on this Essendon, it it looks like to me that I. Essendon have just sort of falling over themselves in a last-minute bid to get Alistair Clarkson. That's what it feels like. Now, it might not actually be the case. There's nothing confirmed about this. So this Alistair Clarkson uh, element to the story is just speculation. From the end of last week, it appeared as though the links between North Melbourne and Clarkson were pretty strong, and he'd be heading back to Arden Street uh, for next season and, and the first time back there um, since his playing days. I don't know if that ship has sailed too far already for Essendon to try and reel him back in, but it looks to me, just off the just off what we heard last week, that it seems like it's more realistic that Clarko goes to North than it does to Essendon, even with this this supposed late bid. Good luck to them if they do get it though, Essendon over the line. These clubs just feel like, so in my opinion, it feels like the two clubs who have just lacked a bit of coordination. In the last few weeks, I'm not certain how extensive North Melbourne's search for a coach has actually been, uh, but we've only ever heard them be linked with Alistair Clarkson, which makes me wonder if they've only been all in on him and haven't done their work elsewhere in interviewing other coaches, sounding other people out. Whatever conversations they've had with 
Clarko must have been very recent because they hadn't really sounded him out as of about three or so weeks ago. Ricky Ponting must be an extremely extremely compelling speaker. And if North have secured him, well, they've struck gold. Essendon might not be striking anything if, indeed, they do want to make a play at Clarkson, but that might not even be the case. Is it the right move for the Bombers to move on from Ben Rutten if that is what happens? He got them to finals last season in his first season as coach. However unconvincing Bombers fans believe that season to be, but they were in the eight. There was something there. In the balance of setting things back, you have to ask, what what would set a club back further? Is it hanging on to the wrong coach for too long or not giving the right coach long enough? Or or is it even the coach in this scenario? Essendon, it's, I think Essendon is still in that grey area of not knowing whether Rutten is the right coach yet or not. We might never know if he is to be removed from the club. I suppose we have a case study in Carlton. When they moved on from David Teague, he'd been there for two seasons or two and a half seasons as an interim for a bit in 2019. Whichever way you want to interpret that, though, I don't know if it's quite cut and dry yet either with the Blues. The silver lining is that they have good assistant coaches, Essendon, and assistants are very, very undervalued in footy today. They've got Daniel G in Syracuse, Blake Carousella, and Dale Tapping, who are all three of the best in the league. Ben Rutten, Bombers fans, would you want to see him go? Does he just need a bit more time? I'm always in favour of giving the coach a bit more time. I think two seasons is far too hasty, particularly when Essendon have had results. So them to to North Melbourne earlier this season are completely different. North Melbourne with David Noble, that was that that is as bad a team statistically as we've seen in, in decades. Whereas Essendon have you know, they had a bad season, it's not gonna be it can't be sugar coated by anything, but at least they had signs and, you know, semi regular signs of, oh, there's actually a bit of something here. Especially in the second half of the season. First half of the season, not so much. Second half of the season when things changed and Ben Rutten had a change of coaching philosophy, things did change and alter and looked a little bit better. Last weekend, or yesterday night against Port Adelaide, was uh, it was an aberration. 84 points is, is abysmal. Um, but I, it, they, I, I don't know if after what we had seen from other wins in the recent few weeks and, and a clear changing of... of it just There is something there. I know this is a familiar story for Essendon fans as well because there's been this scenario before where they've had a horrid season up until, you know, round 15, 16, 17, and then they play well for the last month or so. So it's it's all too familiar, but when you've got a second-year coach, first season he made finals, second season he's actually shown that he has a plan B, uh, is it is it too hasty for Bombers fans? I'm, I'm very forgiving in these scenarios. Bombers fans might not be. I'm happy to get your thoughts. Uh, Andrew is with us in Geelong to chat about the Essendon uh, and Rutten situation. Evening to you, Andrew. How's things? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, not too bad. Essendon supporter, Essendon member here, so it's been a funny old day. Mm. Yeah, what are your thoughts? General thoughts on Ben Rutten? Look, general thoughts, uh, I think he's had a, a good enough chance. I personally think that he's lost the players. We've had some really good times where the players jumped on board and, and, and really wanted to play good football. Um, but we know that um, Brasher is a big fan of Rutten, and I think that's a part of why he's you know is where he is. Um, but with Brasher now moving aside as president and obviously just becoming a board member, no longer steering the ship, potentially that opens up opportunity for Essendon to engage a Clarkson or somebody like that, where Brasher as president may not have endorsed that particular direction. 
So do you think if if the club was to either way, would it is is the club being set back a couple of years? So if Rutten stays on, is it, are they set back? If they bring in a new coach, how much further back is they set back? Set back. It, it sets them back another three to four years minimum. Um, and look, there's there's some voice that says bringing on Clarkson in a, in a hurry now is basically not going through the process that they should have gone through when they appointed Rutten. But Clarkson comes with four premierships. He comes with experience. He comes with a, as a proven commodity. So if they lose that opportunity, North Melbourne take that opportunity with a list at Essendon that I believe is stronger than North Melbourne. Yep. Um, I think the fans are going to be absolutely fuming. The members are fuming. They've got over 80,000. It's a record membership. And I think we're going to see a massive um, dilution of members uh, next year if they don't actually take this opportunity. And it basically means that Rutten is, is a dead man walking. If he doesn't make finals and win finals next year, he has to be out at the end of next year unless he absolutely goes through and proves himself. So it's if, if, if they can't get this Clarkson thing over the line, which I don't think they will, but if they can't, then it basically puts us in a, in a really precarious position um, with the members. And it shows what we all knew all along was that an internal review was never going to make it. It had to be an external review. Yeah. And now we've run out of time to conduct an external review because it's going to push into 2023 and create another dead rubber year. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for your call, Andrew. I appreciate it. And well articulated as well. That's uh, it. Do, yeah, it just feels like Essen. They could have been... So if you want to be the anti-Rutten, uh, take the anti-Rutten stance, that could have done this earlier. And it's it is a bit, it's probably a bit lean to say, oh, after a year and a half, we're going to, we're going to boot you out the door and then start a review. Um, but it does feel like it's just desperate now to, to make this play for Clarkson after two years that, you know, this last year, this season has been a failure from Rutten's behalf. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not confident that the Clarkson move will happen. Anyway, we'll continue this chat next. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Jordan Canellis with you on the Macca's Run tonight, this Monday evening on SEN after round 22. One more home and away game to go in the season for each team this upcoming weekend. 0433 98 11 16. A few text messages uh, quickly before we get to Matt Rendell, our Monday night expert. Joe in Roville says... Uh, I might need to get my blood pressure checked. Not liking what I'm hearing. Alastair Clarkson potentially going to the arch enemy, says uh, says Joe uh, in Roville, who's a uh, an ardent Hawthorne fan. Uh, Baz says if it ends up being Geelong v Brisbane in the first week of the finals, where will it be played? I'd imagine it's the MCG. I don't think they would go to Cardinia Park, even though it's an interstate team, Brisbane. Um, and then the text messages on Essendon and Ben Rutten. Agree with the discussion uh, about Essendon off-field changes, but they do need to look at list management. They have no hard nuts or leaders. Uh, Rutten was untried, but perhaps you let him go if Clarko is available. Uh, Essendon lost the 83 grand final by 80 points. They didn't sack Sheedy back then. That says anonymous. Very different time, though, uh, today. But a a good point, nonetheless. Uh, It's not his second year. It's his third year as he ran the game uh, the game plan and defence under Wooshers last year, which is also true. So, yeah, well pointed out. Um, Essendon going for Clarkson would be the classic Messiah move. And then two uh, longer text messages with uh, good points, though. 100% time for Rutten to go. Players' efforts is a reflection on the coach and buy into the message. Too often, Essendon don't run two ways and the players appear not to care. Time to get Clarkson or Ross Lyon to re-establish standards and a strategic game plan. We've been through too much to continue to endure these or standards on and off the field. So that's from one side of 
the argument. The other side of the argument comes from this other text message which says, I listened to a podcast with Peggy O'Neill in 2016 when Hardwick was under pressure and said uh, she knew that they had the right coach through the whole review process. If Essendon don't know if they have the right man or not, they need to move him on, in my opinion. So a, a balanced opinion there on you know the, the merits of keeping or letting a coach go. Uh, Matt Randell is our Monday night expert. He uh, wraps up the round of footy with us and has done all through the season with uh, myself and Sam Hargraves. Matt, good to welcome you back into the show. How's things? Thanks, Jordan. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, what the... Just how good's footy? <laughs> I think I've said that every week, Jordan. <laughs> it's been... game after game. It just keeps throwing up stuff, even the bad ones, like uh, Essendon and Port. Oh, my God, they were horrible. Essendon, gee... Um, I, I, you know, I do a footy essay um, television show that goes into on Sunday morning, and and I did it with uh, um, Brad Kennedy, uh, Brad Kennedy, um, David, David Kennedy. Sorry, yes, yesterday morning, and he said, "What about the game today?" And I said, "Well, Essendon will run and gun. It'll be Bruce Free. I can guarantee you that." Well, it was Bruce Free. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't put any pressure on it. It was horrible. And, Gee, it was a hard watch, you know. Obviously, I watched the whole thing because of Port Adelaide, so um, I got plenty out of it. But they um, haven't got none. They just they never had a crack, unfortunately. So before we talk about some of the uh, the big games Ooh. and the meaningful games from the weekend as well, let's let's continue on with Essendon and, and Ben Rutten. Um, your thoughts on the uh, on the the idea of letting a, a head coach, the senior coach, go after two seasons, or you know, it's been three um, with one de facto season when he was. There, which the SMS pointed yep. out with uh, John Morsfold, but two seasons as as the main man, it, it it's always a bit of a grey area for me anyway. Just looking at it from yep. the outside in, is you don't doesn't feel like it's enough time, but it's still you know forty to fifty odd games if you make finals uh, of, uh, of of a sample size. So it is a it, it's a grey area. What what's your take on it? Yeah, look, um, I've seen this so many times, um, Jordan. Look, uh, a, a coach takes over a team have a pretty successful year and they really did come home really well last year. I liked the way they played last year. Look very Richmondish. Um they get into the finals, you know, they had a pretty good game in wet conditions dead in Tassie, wasn't it, against um Bulldogs they got run over in the second half. But I thought their season was pretty damn good and a good pointer for this year. Now, this is what I've seen so many times. I've been involved in this one myself in Port Adelaide in early two thousands. They think they're going that well that they start doing all this um, stuff other than having a massive crack in pre-season and making it physically very difficult. They start doing all this strategy and tactics. Now, Saints did it after Ratton's first year and they paid a price. They had a shocking year last year. Um, so I think they've followed the same thing. And, and I'm not saying it now because it's the end of the season. Early in the season, I said on on the airwaves that oh, they look to me like they haven't had a very good pre-season and they've uh, they've stuffed it up badly. They, they just cannot run. They're not on top of the ground like they were last year. Uh, so I think they've stuffed it up. Um, they will know that they've stuffed it up and they you just got to get back. It's just hard work. Get back. Have a massive crack. Forget about all your strategy, your tactics and all that rubbish that they put too much time into. you just got to get a flogging. In pre-season, uh, like Melbourne did when they won the flag, uh, Darren Burgess, he's a genius. They were, they could have played the game again that grand final last year. That's how much on top of the ground they were. Geelong have got the uh, Geelong have got it. Swans have got it. Collingwood have got it. 
Now, Carlton are much better this year. They were horrible last year. Much better this year with Andrew Russell. So it is so important to get that pre-season right. The other team that stuffed it up and, and also said this on the airways very early in the season, DWS. So I've seen so many coaches lose their job by getting their pre-season wrong. I was even at St Kilda when we got our pre-season wrong. And Tomo lost his job. And we all left because they were expecting more from us that year, even though we played the finals. So I've seen it numerous times. Get your pre-season right and you can save your career. And I reckon Essendon stuffed it and GWS stuffed it. A question out of genuine curiosity. How how does yep. a good pre-season and having a really good pre-season present itself at this stage in the season, round 23 and finals? Because it's no, well, so, it's so it far back, removed. So, yeah, so, so if, you, if you're behind 10% at the start of the year, you might get it back to 5% by the end of the year, but you're still behind the other people. You don't get it back. You don't get to their level. I've seen it too many times. Um, if the teams that have had the really good pre-season, they keep improving as well during the year. They haven't hit their peak especially if you've got a great strength and conditioning person who, who understands it. And there's quite a few good ones out there. Um, you know, Melbourne stuff theirs after they had that, um, you know, 18 season where they they got beaten badly in the preliminary final. But they had a really poor pre-season. And, and um, Dave Misson, who was doing it, he, he lost his job or, or left and good he survived. And um, I was just trying to think uh, who was the other team that, uh, did the same thing. It, you don't get it back if you don't get it right at the start and then you have to go over it again. And I remember when I, we went to St Kilda after they had two really poor pre-seasons under Blighty, really, and the strength and conditioning bloke said, it's going to take two pre-seasons to get this right because they are so far behind and if we go too hard, we're going to break them down. So, and he was right. He was spot on. So, uh, I can't believe clubs still get it wrong. Does that reinforce to you the idea that football is still more a physical game and a uh, an effort game than it is oh, absolutely. tactical? Absolutely. I mean, forget about uh, the tactical stuff. It's so minor compared to you've got to be out of run. You've got to be out of cover ground. Um, it is and, and running at, at pace. Because when you are at your peak of your fitness... You feel so good about yourself. You can basically do anything. Melbourne players could do anything last year. You can do any training and uh, 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 strategy stuff during the season uh, because the players are so fit, they're not blowing out a candle. Mm. And we saw that last year. I just, and, you know, I'm watching Geelong and Sydney. They're, just, they're on top of the ground. Uh, so they've got it right. That was particularly noticeable yesterday, uh, Matt, with Sydney. They were on top of the ground yesterday uh, with their uh, their pressure around the footy, their defensive efforts. It's harder to yep. work uh, in defence than it is when you have the ball and Sydney were able to work all the way to the end of the game and keep Collingwood to a pretty low score. Uh, for me, Sydney now, I think they've, in my mind anyway, have jumped Melbourne to be, I know they are on the ladder, but in terms of form and just general standing, um, they've jumped Melbourne to be in the, in the top two for me. I think they are, I mean, th- that... Some of their defensive yeah. efforts, and not just the Dane Rampey one, all the other defenders as well were unbelievable yesterday. No, that, no that, they've, been, they've been great. Um, obviously, Adams and Dugowie, not in the midfield, really hurt Collingwood. They had they mixed and matched there a fair bit. Chris ended up in defence. Maynard played a fair bit in the middle. and um, Carmichael got a bit of a go. He's not quite there, Carmichael. Um, so that, they, they were those two players short. Um, 
so that hurt Collingwood a bit. But it, it's that ground that they play so well because um, there's just no. Ever, all the players are in between the arcs. Mm. It's a it's a it's it's a very short ground, but but wide, and they play it beautifully. Um, I'm interested to see how they go on Marvel this week. You know, fast ground, more open against the Saints. I don't know what we're going to get from the Saints. Um, but more importantly, they, on the MCG, if they have to play there, it opens up their defence a little bit. That's only my worry there. But if they win this week against the Saints, they get home game first up. And if they win that, they get preliminary home game. So they could go bang, bang at home, where they play so well, straight into the grand final. So I don't know who they look like they could get in that game. It would probably be the winner out of Brisbane-Melbourne, would it be? I would have thought, because if Collingwood win, they're going to have their percentage won't be as good and they'll go fourth. Is it? Would that be correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I think Collingwood would be ecstatic to play Geelong on the MCG in the first final rather than play Sydney in Sydney. I think they'd be ecstatic to play Geelong. We yeah. saw them playing there early in the year. They kicked nine and a quarter and led by five at three-quarter time. So uh, really interesting set of games this weekend about who's going to end up where. Uh, if if, if uh, Collingwood, so that means it could be Brisbane or Melbourne playing Sydney in uh, that yeah. first game yeah, uh, up there. So, uh, but Sydney played so well; they've got everyone available. Obviously, Kennedy retired. Maybe not have even got a game anyway. But um, and and they just look they look um, they look tough. They look on top of the ground. They look like they're they're, they're looking at themselves and going, "We're we're a chance to pinch one here." We didn't think it was coming this early. Yes, I'm just doing the, mm. the ladder predictor here. So, yeah, Geelong will be on top. Sydney, uh, if they beat St Kilda, they'll be second. And then it's uh, if Collingwood win against Carlton, they'll be fourth. And then the winner of Melbourne-Brisbane finishes in third. Yes. okay. It might just depend on percentage, which I haven't worked out yet. Oh, but that's, I reckon that's the Collingwood general. would be, um, yeah. Uh, that game, uh, Brisbane-Melbourne game, it's not on the Sunday. It's on the Saturday, I think. Is oh, No, it's on the Friday night, isn't it? Brisbane-Melbourne, yeah, Friday night. So, so they'll know exactly where they are, Pies. Uh, if they can beat Carlton, um, they go into fourth, and I reckon they'll be going, happy days, we're playing on our home ground against Geelong, who have to travel. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the race for the eight, so Carlton on uh, on Saturday night against Melbourne. Um, what did you notice from Carlton in those final stages? Because uh, our analysts on, on SEM were saying that Carlton didn't have uh, enough defensive support. There weren't enough layers in the back half to, to really ice the game, and it came down yeah. to basically the experience of Melbourne knowing what to do in those situations, and Carlton just weren't yeah, quite they there. Stuffed it up. They stuffed it up. Uh, they didn't know how to keep possession of the ball when they got it. Um, the thing that really adored me, well, you could, it was hard to tell from side on, but they showed down the ground. They had a couple of players still uh, behind Gorn and Lever and the like, uh, they should have been right up the ground, squeezing all everything up there. I think they were they were even behind, you know, a kick another kick away. Uh, I remember seeing that, and I've gone, oh, they haven't worked out that very well. Uh, they were brave, they were excellent, Carlton. They were fantastic, really. Should have won the game, um, you know, just in those clutch moments. They they just stuffed it up, really. Um, you know how four of them let Melksham mark that ball in the goal square. It was just. Beyond me, you know, especially when you got people like McGovern there. Um, but that was the goal to, you know, put them within a point. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, they they just they lost it themselves, really. Does it? What does it? Does it change your Great opinion? Great game, though. It was a fantastic game. Does it change your opinion about Melbourne in any way? No, well, Melbourne's biggest issue here, and everyone went on. We've spoken about it all year. Their their forwards just aren't firing, so they're pumping it in there. So a few things clubs are doing now with them, and they'll and they'll cop it for the rest of the year. You know, uh, Setterfield sat on uh, Oliver. I thought he did a reasonable job on him. Uh, I've forgotten his name. Cottrell sat on Langdon out in the wing. Yep. And did a really good job, I thought, on him. Um, uh, someone plays tight with Leader. Make sure he can't intercept Mark. Um, and basically, they're taking the game on like that. So taking a few of their weapons away is what the clubs are trying to do. And... Um, they just can't get any key forwards of note doing anything. You know, probably Gorn looked like their best key forward again, just sneaking down from the ruck. Brown struggling, Wiedemann struggling, no Tom McDonald. Um, Spargo can't get in. Fritch has been really good, but he was well held on the weekend. Yep. And up Bob's Melksham, you know, who couldn't get a game, ends up kicking four, I think, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they, it's just not functioning 100% like it was last year. To, uh, should it be Melbourne's priority to recruit a, a tall, a ready-made tall forward for next season? Well, they've, they've still got Brown for two more years, and I think they've got Wiedemann for two more years, and they've got Tom McDonald to come back. Um, they got McDonald to come back, so um, look, I, I think they might try and trade out Wiedemann if they've got a chance, but I, you can't get tall forwards, and um, they're hard to get, uh, hard to find, so. Um, you know, they get picked high in the draft. Uh, you know, you get a fluke like my check every now and again. But um, no, they got to just go with what they got. And, um, uh, you wouldn't think possibly they could do it if... But uh, a Petty or a May could end up up there. What about a, even a May? I know he played forward a bit at Gold Coast, but they uh, it's putting a fair bit of pressure on Petty in defence, isn't it? It is. The race for the eights are around outside of Carlton. You've got the Dogs and St Kilda there. How do you think this Sunday plays out with those three games all backing up one against the, the other in the triple header? What's well, a great day. But, uh, so, uh, well, we, you wouldn't be backing the Bulldogs to beat Hawthorne down in Tassie. They don't lose too many down there, Hawks. And they'll be trying for their lives. They're really disappointing against um, uh, Richmond. They tried to do a few experimental things. They just didn't work, did they? Especially on Lynch. Um, so uh, they'll be hard to beat Hawthorne they'll be playing for their lives so the Bulldogs obviously have to win that Carlton <clears throat> um, Collingwood we've spoken about uh, Carlton just need to win obviously uh, Collingwood want that double chance um, and what's the other one um, St Kilda Sydney oh well uh, uh, no St Kilda yeah St Kilda Sydney yeah so playing at the same time as Carlton Collingwood so Basically, uh, um, I don't know what sides are going to give us, and, and the big watch is obviously on Max King and how he's got to go. The, the really interesting thing with Collingwood yesterday playing Swans that I noticed, you know, uh, in the first half, they never played Cox as a deep forward at all, and I thought that's weird because Cameron did a lot of the ruck work, and I thought why aren't they why aren't they playing Cox because they're, they're not a tall defence rampy in the two McCartans. I said why aren't they doing this? Is this is this they're holding, keeping their powder dry in case they play them in the finals? Um, 
but it doesn't look like they'll play him in the first final anyway, uh, how it's worked out. So, um, yeah, um, well, the big what's here is who, I suppose, is Paddy McCartan plays on King. Well, King's dangerous, but he's just got the yips, hasn't he? Yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing. I mean, the, the St Kilda season, you hate to sort of pin it on a on a player because you don't want to... Exactly. It's, it's it's not just one player. It's it's the whole course of a game, the whole course of a yeah. season. But you know, it feels like the most the most concentrated sort of reason why St Kilda might miss finals now is is Max King's shots a goal in that last quarter. And, and there was not just him; it was a few others as well. But they had what six behinds in a row or something like that in the last quarter. There was chances yeah. for them to to win that game uh, the other day. The Saints. Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, Look, they had a crack. Uh, they've been hot and cold, though. I must admit, I can't, I can't quite follow them. I don't know what I'm going to get. You know, they leave Jones out. They're going to lose Crouch. So I suppose Jones comes back in for Crouch. They need his hardness. Uh, they're very capable of winning this game. Uh, I think at Marvel, I um, want to go out on a high as a bit of a springboard into next year. But um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. They've got a few little holes in their best team. Yeah, um, they need to get they need to get a class midfielder, and they need to get another key back as good as Wilkie and Howard and all them going. They need to get someone you know rock solid back there as well. And last one, where do Fremantle sit in your mind? Yeah, well, look, uh, geez, they're a hard one to get a handle on too. I, you know, I really like the coach. I really like what they've done this year, um, but they've lost they've lost a heap of home games and they've won all the away games. <laughs> They are a real uh, hard one to catch, but uh, they're talking that uh, Fife's back, um, and there was someone else who was injured coming back as well. Oh, they're dangerous, really dangerous. Um, can they get fifth and get home game? I think they can, can't they? I don't think they can get fourth, but can they get fourth, or can they get fifth? I think um, they, they I'm might. not sure. They, I might have to do the... Can they get fourth? Uh, I think they can get fourth. Um, yeah, they can. If, if certain results go their way, they can. They so if, if Carlton win, they can get fourth and Carlton and Collingwood go to fifth, maybe, um, which means they'd have to come over here and play Geelong. Yeah. So, yeah, that could easily happen too. They're really dangerous. Um, uh, Tabata, he was out on the weekend, wasn't he? So I don't know where he's at, but he was in horrible form. But their defence is rock solid. Heavy reliance on Sarong, Mundy and um, Brayshaw in the middle, but they've been mm. doing a ripping job all year. They're sort of one or two players short, and they need Fife in there doing stuff, but, mm. you know, he hasn't been able to. So, no, very dangerous floater they are. Matt, probably their times in the next couple of years. Always a pleasure to chat to you. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Matt, appreciate it. See you, mate. Matt Rendell, our Monday night expert here on the Macca's Run. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this and wrap up the hour here on SEN. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Just a couple of moments remaining in this hour, but we'll have more time on the other side to get your thoughts. 0433 98 11 16 off the text. You can give us a call, 1300 736 736 for Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts. A couple of text messages coming through. Josh Vandaloo from Hawthorne. He'll be with us next to chat about their AFLW season. This season, that's on the way next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. 
Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.